right, everybody, why don't we take our seats? And we're going to jump right into our message. Well, good morning. I'm pumped to go into our fourth sermon for relation slips. How many of you guys feel like you've been fighting for your relationships or God's been doing some great things in your heart as we've talked about this, as we fought for what God has in our marriages, our dating, our engagements, our potential? I, I just love that. I feel like God is alive in our hearts, and I, I love the conversations and people giving me feedback on how the scripture is spoken to your hearts. It's just amazing. And we're concluding this series. We've had some awesome things like our five and five speakers and talking about God being our source and uh, just so many pivotal moments and been praying for you and uh, I'm really amazed that I'm even standing on the stage this morning because as you know our baby's due date is on Tuesday and so like we had a backup plan MCs speakers we didn't know we were gonna be here but hey we're we're here and we got a spring in our step on spring forward Sunday, and uh, so pray for baby Nala, full name Nalavali. Can you guys even say that? Say Nalavali. Say it again. Nalavali. Yeah, or Nala for sure, like the Lion King, and so we're gonna, uh, man, when we bring Nala to church, there better be a hey, and uh, it's, it's awesome, it's awesome, so Come on. <laughs> That's right. Wait, wait till Nala's here, all right? And okay. So be, be training, everybody. If you could just, or someone, who can organize some practice sessions for that? It'll be really, Heidi, all right, Actually, Jamie. Yes, I will hold her <laughs> You did, I, all right, awesome. All right, I feel like the Lord's working this together. It's, it's great. And so, uh, <laughs> so pray for us. I'm pumped for this message. And uh, I, I just believe as we get into this message, we don't want the status quo in our relationships. Amen. We don't, we don't want what everybody has. We don't have like what's normal. We don't want just like to get by when it comes to dating, engagements, marriages. I want the best. I want what God wants for us. I want my relationships to be thriving, full of life full of romance, full of adventure, full of partnership. Anybody with me? Like in the depths of our heart, we are believing for that. We are fighting for that. And yet sometimes we slip, we lose ground. We aren't experiencing what we desired. We aren't experiencing what we prayed for. And we fall into these ruts of relation slips where we, we try to move forward, but we're like going down. We're going backwards. We're staying in the same place. No matter how hard we try. We're just, we're slipping. What's going on? How did I end up here? And today I'm going to talk about one of the most common slips that I see happening in the church and something I believe that can be overcome. And I, I promise you, this is going to be a really, really encouraging but challenging message for us today. And I want to jump into Judges 14 and talk about a man named Samson who is known for supernatural strength. He was so strong. And God had picked him to be one of 
the judges in the time of Israel. And this was the time in Israel where people were falling away from God. They were doing whatever was right in their own eyes. And we just saw a cycle of God raising up a, a deliverer or someone to help them overcome oppression from foreign countries. And then Samson was one of them, and his strength was used to win a lot of battles. But he had a lot of in, inner battles, especially when it came to his relationships. And Judges 14 says this. As his father was making final arrangements, this is talking about Samson, as his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah as was the custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. So Samson here is about to have a bachelor party, and uh, the wedding is in the final arrangements. Things are being accomplished. They're picking out the, the flowers. They're picking out the music. Who's going to officiate this wedding? Father's making the final arrangements, and when it comes to the bachelor party, Samson doesn't have his own friends, and his wife's father has to pick out 30 companions to party with him, which I think is super sad because I love bachelor parties with my buds. Anybody ever have a great bachelor party experience? It is just so, so fun. And I, I've been part of some crazy bachelor parties, and I want to tell you about uh, one event that happened when it came to Andrew Jennings' bachelor party. So Andrew is not here. He leads our production team, which includes this, the band and the singing and all sorts of great things. He helped us start this church, and he just turned 30, and so he's in New York celebrating, which is awesome. And uh, at his bachelor party, he uh, asked me and some others to help plan the party, and so we did a lot of crazy, crazy things. And so first thing we did was I was working at a church at the time. I asked if I could use the children's ministry bus to transport all these young, eager men. And so we had the kids' ministry bus, and we were driving this thing in the winter. It was so snowy. And uh, first stop of the night we decided to go to was we went to a place called Hell, Hell, Michigan. And uh, it's a real place. So we're in this bus. We're going to hell fast. The roads are literally frozen over. Hell is frozen over. And we, we get there. We rented out this kind of like bar and grill place. We're eating. We're like, we're drinking lots of pop and all sorts of things. And uh, we're there and uh, they, they are so generous to us. They let us take rain. They just like pretty much do whatever we want in the restaurant. They're waiting on us hand and foot. They let us bring in our own food. Uh, it was just amazing. And my friend who's never really uh, been in like a bar and grill kind of scenario, he, he was in charge of paying for the bill. And because they hardly charged us for anything, he wanted to tip like a percentage, and he's like, I'm going to be really generous. I'm going to tip 30%. But we had been there for like two hours. We had made a mess. We brought in our own food. And since they didn't charge us for anything, 30% tip was like $4. It wasn't very generous at all. And so we leave this place after pretty much taking hold of the whole uh, restaurant. We get in our kids' ministry bus, and as we're about to close the door and get back on the icy road of hell, we <laughs> have two guys come on the bus, and they are drunk. They're just so drunk, and they, they are like, we are here to fight you. We're like, what? This is a bachelor party. Like, 
what, what is happening? And uh, they're like, I can't believe that this lady, she waited on you all hand and foot. She let you do whatever you want in this restaurant, and you gave her a $4 tip? There's no more words. Let's fight. <laughs> and they don't know, but there's like 20 of us young, strong, extremely handsome men on this bus. I, th I think Ben Jennings in is in the back making napalm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Which is like how you like make fires that last forever and, and start the revolution. <laughs> like, and we, we have, we have a, an abundance of weapons, okay? Like ready to go, stashed away. And they, they jump on this bus and uh, they're ready to fight. And we're like, okay, I'm so glad we are here to protect Andrew Jennings because if he was alone, these guys would just destroy him. And we have more plans in this bachelor night where we want to destroy him personally. We don't want them. And so we, we like separate Andrew from these drunk guys and we're like, what are you talking about? And we go back into the restaurant and we slip a $100 bill on the table and we, we're like, hey, drunk man, did, did you see this $100 bill? They're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that was there. My bad, go your way on your bus through hell. We're like, thank you. And this bachelor party, I have so many crazy stories about bachelor parties. Ask me about them sometime. I'm so happy, though, we were able to protect Andrew and that he's alive today. Well, Samson, in this story, he's at his bachelor party. He's making the final arrangements before the wedding, but he's in the sad state of affairs where his in-law, his father-in-law, has to pick out for him 30 young men to help celebrate this newfound love and relationship. And I, I think this is uh, an indicator of a relationship many of us fall into, a relationship that many of us have observed with other people, and it's this. When you start a relationship, when you fall in love, you start to exclude every other relationship out of your life. Suddenly, you don't have any guy friends, you don't have any girlfriends, you don't have any couple friends, you don't have, you know, your own circle of friends. It's all about you and this other person, and you became this, you become this, like, world where all you do is look at each other and you abandon your friends, you abandon your parents, you don't take advice from anybody else, you're not partnering with the church and mission, you're not part of a community, and it's just a relation slip that I want to dive in today. And so uh, relation slip number four is this, if I'm in a relationship, I don't need anybody else. If I'm in a relationship, Ship. I don't need anybody else. And this uh, happens all throughout the Bible. This happens all throughout our friendships. How many of you guys have ever had a best friend or a friend that you're praying for someone? Maybe one day we will find a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe one day we'll get married and then that person find someone, and you're so pumped. You're like, oh, this person's perfect for you, and you celebrate, and you go on a couple of third-wheel dates with them, and then eventually they, they start to stop inviting you to all of those hangouts, and that friend you used to hang out with and text all the time, suddenly they stop texting you or calling you. Suddenly they don't have time to hang out with you, and then it's been weeks or, or months, and you're like, man, I lost my best friend. 
Has anybody ever experienced that? You're like, or you, you see a cycle where, man, this, this person goes from relationship to relationship, and they quickly get obsessed with this person. It's their world, but then they just, they move on, and they forget about you. It is hard to be on the other side of an abandoned friendship, amen? It's hard to feel like, man, as soon as someone falls in love, they forget about you, and I, I feel that's because of a relationship, like, where we think all I need to do is find the one, and then I don't need anybody else, but I want to let you know that is a slip. And uh, my thesis for today is this. Yes, your, your partner, your spouse, your relationship should be your best friend, but not your only friend. They should be your best friend, but not your only friend. And in Luke 14, Jesus kind of alludes to a lack of uh, prioritization priorities in relationship where people start to just get inward focus and in Luke 14 it says this Jesus replied a certain man was preparing a great banquet and this is talking about the great marriage feast of the lamb this is God throwing a banquet this is an illustration of us entering into the kingdom of God tasting and seeing everything good God has to offer and so Jesus replied a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But now they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And in verse 20, still another said, I just got married so I can't come. I'm rejecting this invitation to a banquet. I'm rejecting invitation to be part of the kingdom of God. I'm rejecting an invitation to serve in the church or lead a small group or invest in other friendships and relationships because I just got married. And when we just focus on one another, yes, our relationship should be a priority, but when it becomes the only thing we're focused on, it becomes unhealthy in the kingdom, unhealthy when it comes to our other friendships, unhealthy when it comes to our, our inward lives. And so some red flags I, I want you to pay attention to when it comes to relationships is when you, you hear like a partner saying something like this, you don't need anybody else. You shouldn't have any other friends. Red flag, get out of that relationship. Or, hey, you shouldn't talk to your family anymore. Uh, nope, bye, thank you, next. Uh, hey, or, hey, are, aren't I enough for you? Nope, bye, Felicia, like, we're getting out of here. Like, like these, these are red flags, or like, hey, if you're, you're dating me, or you're getting married to me, like, you, I'm not, I'm not going to church with you, you shouldn't go to church anymore, like, that is a red flag, it's a relation slip, it's something that, like, we need to be aware of, because, hey, your, your relationship is great, but it's not God, and it's not community. It's not enough. We need more than just uh, one person. Amen. And so, uh, uh, so not, not only is it a bad friend mood, it's, it's unhealthy for your soul and it's unhealthy for your relationship with God. And so today I want to talk about three reasons to include people in your relationships. Three reasons to include people in your relationships. And uh, uh, number one, I want to share that happiness shared is happiness multiplied. Happiness shared is happiness multiplied. You know, I, I was reading this uh, study, and it says romantic relationships often start out as enjoyable or even exciting, but sometimes may become routine and boring. 
A Wayne State University study reveals that dating couples that integrate other couples into their social lives are more likely to have happy and satisfying romantic relationships. So when you include others in your relationships, you're more likely to have a happy, uh, fulfilling, fun relationship. Happiness shared is happiness multiplied. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, Amritha and I were at the family small group, and I, I love it. Heva and Amanda, they're, they're hosting that. Can you guys uh, raise your hand? You might not want to raise your hand after about, like, because of what I'm about to say, and, but yeah, thank you. They, they spoke at the five and five like three weeks ago. Didn't they kill it? Just powerful word, and uh, so we've been going to their house uh, to hang out with other other families. There's little kids running around. Man, if you're a parent or you have parent friends and you just need a place to connect with other parents, go to that small group. Just in general, if you're not plugged into a small group, get plugged into a small group. They're amazing. Go to kalos.church/groups. Get involved. Find friends. Find community. It's awesome. So we're at their house, and uh, like we're just, you know, just talking, and I don't know how we got into this conversation, but uh, at one point, he was like, guess what, you guys? I got a vasectomy. I was like, whoa, Heva, hi. Thanks for sharing, man. He's like, it was awesome. I, I, my place is called Dr. Snip. It's the best. I was like, are you serious? Vasectomy is like male birth control, all right? So you can't have babies anymore. And they just had their second baby. They have beautiful children. They're like, we're done. We're, we're good to go, right? Like, this, it's over. And so, so Dr. Snip changed my life. Amanda's like, you know what? I watched the whole operation. I saw it. I love the energy in the room right now. <laughs> I just love this. I want to bask in it. <laughs> and he's like, man, we, we went all out. Amanda, she made me a cake to celebrate this momentous occasion, and he's like, I, I was looking for some friends to do this with. Like, I, wa I wanted to get a brosectomy. I was like, is that really a thing? He's like, yeah, it's a thing, brosectomy. He's like, we all go to Dr. Snip together. We get in there in 10 minutes, no more babies. We go party, we eat the cake. What, what else do you want? And I couldn't believe how open they were about sharing this. I can't believe they're letting me share this uh, on stage, I was like, Heva, are you Facebook official? He's like, no, I'm not, but he's like, I'm okay with the whole world knowing. I'm not ashamed. I'm ashamed. I'm proud of it. He's like, you need to get one. And I'm like, what? No way. Like, and then this family small group, they're just sharing, and they're so vulnerable, and I, I'm just laughing so hard. You know, I'm Amrita's laughing so hard, but she's like, honey, you need to get one. <laughs> She's like, I'm 36, I'm done. Like, no, 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 get, no, shoot. <laughs> you need to get this. And like, here they are, they're like teaming up on me and the vibe of the room is like, this is appropriate, this is the most normal thing in the world. Psh, you haven't gotten a vasectomy? Do you even snip, bro? And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And I, I, I just can't help but think like, I'm so happy we have friends with other people in relationships, and we, we have friends with just other people in general. Like, this was a happy, funny, joyful moment. We were in the midst of just sharing life together. 
And we, we shared some of the weirdest, most awkward things in our life. We shared the heartaches of our life and what we're battling through, and we even prayed for one another. But that, that's what community is all about. We can go through the highs and the lows together, and we can have joy together because happiness shared is happiness multiplied. It really is. It increases, and our, our sorrows are divided, but our happiness is multiplied when we can share our lives with one another. And just being honest, like, I love Amritha. We have a great relationship, but she's not the one I call on Fridays when I want to play Super Smash Brothers as a grown man playing video games. Like, she's not, when I want to go on an intense hike where Moses is fainting on Mount Rainier, like, I'm not, I'm not calling my, my wife. Sorry, I love you. Thank you for doing that. For me, I, I still think there's some tension because of that, but I, I, I love it. Like, when I want to go on a weird adventure where there's pain and we're, we're sleeping on twigs and stuff like that, I'm not, I'm not calling my pregnant wife. And it's in those moments, I'm so thankful we have our own friends. I'm so thankful we have friends together because it increases the chances for joy. Like when Amritha wants to get her nails done, she doesn't call me. I don't, I don't want to get my nails done, honey. She calls some girls and she's like, hey, you want to get your nails done? They're like, I've been waiting for you to ask. Thank you so much. So while they're sniffing nails, me and my bros, we can be sniffing and, you know, just like other, other things, like, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> is that appropriate? It's not appropriate. All right. <laughs> anyway, look how much laughter we have in this room. Happiness is being multiplied. And, uh, <laughs> and that's why I think this story in, in Judges with Samson is so sad. That, that he's having a bachelor party right before he gets married, and he doesn't have his own friends. He has to have friends picked out for him. That is just so net, sad. Samson had a party, but nobody there to show up with him from his own country with his own friends. In fact, uh, he was marrying someone from the enemy nation of Israel, from a nation of the, the Philistines, and... Uh, uh, it's crazy that he couldn't fill up his own wedding party with people from his own nation and his own his own friends. And, and what we see is a vacuum is created. Because when, when you have a vacuum of no friendship, the, the enemy nation is more than happy to fill that up with bad relationships, with influential relationships that aren't going to steer you towards God. And uh, I, I just want to illustrate something here that... You know, in, in our, our bachelor party society today, it's just about having fun, one last hurrah before getting married. But having grooms men and a wedding party back in that time was also practical as it was fun. So Samson, he's about to get married, and these weddings aren't like two hours. They're like seven days. They last a lot. Uh, they last a long time, and there's food, there's gifts, there's expensive clothing, and marauders would come, thieves would come to steal, kill, and destroy all the good things that were happening at the wedding. Take the food, take the fine linens, take the treasure, take the, the wedding gifts, take dowries if that's part of it. And so the, the, the groomsmen with Samson, yes, they, they were meant to like dance with Samson 
I'm not a dancer, but they, they were there to party with him, you know, so they would get their, their groove on, do some moves, they would dance with him. But while, while Samson is partying at his, his, his bachelor party, the, the, the men around him were also keeping their eyes on the horizon, looking out for thieves, looking out for, for, for marauders, looking out for people who are going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I, I just think it's so sad that many of us, we have these relationships but we don't have anybody to celebrate with us in the, the high times. Like when, when we're, we're debt free, come on somebody. When we're, we're about to have a, a new kid, it's like we've created these own circles. We don't have anybody else and now we don't have anybody to celebrate with us in the good times, these milestones and we feel extremely alone. But also the, these groomsmen, they're keeping their eyes on the horizon and they're like, hey, there's, there's a threat coming. There's someone coming here. Hey, watch out. And it's so sad that he didn't have anybody to have his back and protect him. And eventually, these guys, they, they do some pretty destructive things to his marriage and his father-in-law. But in, in the same way, many of us, were going through our relationship or we've learned about relationships. And we have nobody who can protect us from threats. Hey, like, hey, you're, you're, not, you're not treating your wife right. You're not treating your husband right. Hey, like this dating cycle you're in, it's really unhealthy. Hey, wh what? How much are you spending on your wedding? Or, hey, why are you saying those words? Like, hey, you're really feel making your person feel like the butt of every joke. Can you stop doing that? It makes all of us uncomfortable that you use your partner just as the, the butt of every joke. Like, we have nobody protecting us. And point number two, I believe that we think we isolate ourselves to protect ourselves. Hey, my family's destructive. My friends are destructive. There's hypocrites in the church. I just need to make sure my relationship is okay. But here, here's point number two. Isolation creates more danger than it protects you from. Isolation creates more danger than it protects you from. You think, hey, I'm just going to focus on my romantic relationship, and I'm just going to keep the safe and secure. But what it does is it just keeps you on an island and exposes you to vulnerabilities where nobody can hold you accountable. Nobody can help you grow. Nobody can let you know, hey, you're about to fall into a trap. Nobody can help you avoid a pitfall. And Samson fell into this in the scriptures. You know, in 2013, Facebook released a report that analyzed uh, 1.3 million of its users and looking at, among other things, relationships. And the conclusion here it is. Couples with overlapping social networks tended to be less likely to break up, especially when that closeness included social dispersion or the introduction of one person's sphere to the other, so meeting each other's friends and vice versa. Uh, in other words, the best case scenario is when each person has their own circle, but the two circles overlap. And so there's, there's safety in having friends in your relationships and involved. There, there's safety and protection. And some of us think, like, I just got to protect my family. I got to protect my spouse. Like, I can't serve the church because that I, I've been burned out in the church anymore, so I got to isolate myself from the church. Or I, I, I've, I've been too invested in these parties, and it's just I can't, I can't hang out with them. Or, like, I, I would hang out with other, you know, parents with kids, but I'm just trying to take care of my own kid. I don't have time for that. Well, I, I, I believe that you think you're protecting yourself, but ultimately I think you're exposing yourself to vulnerability and more dangers. 
There's safety in numbers, especially in our relationships where we have a culture of having each other's backs. Amen. When uh, uh, Amrita, a long time ago, she, she worked this job, and one of her, her co-workers uh, was going through some real uh, marital instability. And as they talked, this lady shared with Amrita, you know, we realize our families, me and my husband, we realize our families are not what we want. They're really toxic. So we've decided to cut ourselves off from the family. We're just going to focus on each other. We're not going to let them influence us. We're not going to take their culture. We're just going to, we're done. We're keeping a distance from them. Well, as Amrita started to observe this girl post this decision, she saw that she was hanging out with one of her male coworkers a little too frequently. They were going into the office, closing doors, spending a lot of time. They were staggering when they would leave the, the business. And uh, Amrita started to have this feeling, I think something's not right in the relationship. I, th- I think this, this, this girl is having maybe an emotional affair or a physical affair. Like something's not, not right here. Well, lo and behold, the woman comes up to Amrita and says, uh, I'm getting fired. And they're like, what? Well, uh, our work found out. We've been using our work time and our work email to, to have an affair outside of our marriage. And so they, they both got fired because it was against the policy to have these kind of romantic things without going through HR and stuff like that. They had to take their boxes and, and leave. And, uh, and this woman, suddenly she loses her husband, but now she's estranged from her family and she has nobody to talk to. Suddenly she, she got kicked out of her house. She doesn't have a place to live. She doesn't have a family to go to. She doesn't have her work to go to. She's totally alone. She says, Amrita, what, what do I do? And Amrita just says, come, come live with me. Just, I'll bring you in. And uh, Amrita said, you know what? I, I thought you might have been having an affair, but I, I didn't want to impose myself. I didn't want to be judgmental. And the lady said, I wish you would have said something to me. I wish you would have called me out. And this marital decision to cut ourselves off from family, man, what a bad decision. But it, it seemed right in their own eyes at the time. And we think and justify exclusion in the name of protection. But I totally believe it. It creates more dangers than it protects us from. And Samson in the story, he, he is really an illustration of what's happening in the time of Israel where the story is taking place, where the nation, God's people, God's nation said, we're just going to do what's right in our own eyes. Over and over, we see that in the book of Judges, and then it, it brings destruction. It brings danger. It brings really bad situations. I mean, even the, the beginning of this relationship that Samson has, this is one day in 14, 1 through 3, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. So this is the beginning of this relationship. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah, caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife. But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. So Samson's avoiding community. He thinks he can make all the right decisions in his own strength. Whatever looks good to him, I, I want it. I got it. Like my hair? <laughs> Gee, thanks. Just bought it. 
I, I have so many Ariana Grande quotes in my sermons this month. I'm, I apologize for that. Uh, so anyways, she, he's just doing what's right in his own eyes, and he's avoiding the advice of his community. His, his, his parents, his no groomsmen at his wedding, and they're, they're relationships we need. We need intimate relationships. And I, I know this word is kind of a curse word in, in modern-day church, but we, we need authoritative relationships. We need authority. And I, I'm not trying to, like, say you need someone to tell you every specific decision you make in your life. But here's my question. Is there anybody in your life that can tell you no? Or do you just always do what's right in your own eyes? Or are, are there any voices in your life where when they say something, it at least causes you to slow down and reconsider? Or do you just do whatever you want in isolation when you want? This woman looks good to me. Go get her for me. Man, I see this all the time in church. Like, hey, Pastor Pradeep, and I, I want you to be my pastor. I just respect your advice. Can, can you help me? Like, understand finances. Sure, let's talk about finances. Can you help me understand uh, how to study the Bible? Sure, let's talk about that. Uh, but then they get into a relationship. They never want advice on it, especially if they know this person's not good for their spiritual life. Like, it's so funny. People ask the least advice when they know it's wrong. They don't want advice because they don't want someone to hold them accountable. Or like, I can speak into every part of someone's life, someone who's opened their life. I never asked to you know, have people open the decisions of their life. I'm not like a, a, like a strict shepherd or anything like that. But when people ask me to help them in their life, but then they say, hey, you can touch every part of my life, but my relationships, huge red flag. It tells me, you know what you're doing is wrong. You know what you're doing is destructive. I don't have a heart to control people, but if you ask me to help you, let me help you. If, you're, if your parents are like, why are you marrying this person? Listen to them. If all of your friend's circle is like, why are you dating this person? Listen to them. Don't just do what's right in your own eyes. The people that you feel have your back, why do you stop trusting them as soon as someone special enters your life? It's setting you up for destruction when you think it's going to offer protection. So number three, why should we include relationships in our life? Well, this, relationships united by mission are protected from division. Relationships united by mission are protected from division. In Genesis 2, 19, we see the whole beginning of relationships in the Bible. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to a man to see what he would name them. This is Adam. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam was no suitable helper found. So, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And so we see Adam is given a mission to name all the animals, and then God sees like, hey, whoa, you got a big task, you need some help, and he creates a helpmate or a helper, he creates a partner uh, named Eve, a woman, and we see that Adam was not given a partner until he had a mission. Adam was not given a partner until he had a mission. Like, the basic premise of this relationship was mission. 
And in our relationships, when we exclude ourselves and we say, hey, I don't need to be part of the church, I don't need to be part of, like, investing in biblical community. I don't need to be a part of provoking others to good work and spurring each other on and love. I feel like we're abandoning the whole premise of relationship, and that's advancing the kingdom of God and accomplishing God's mission here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we, we see, like, oftentimes in relationships, what we, we, we are attracted because we have something in common. Maybe we're in a class together. Maybe we meet in church. Maybe, like, Amritha and I, we, we were in a small group. We led a small group together before we're even dating. And just being in that commonality, having a common mission, seeing that we had a partnership going, it, it got us to consider one another as partners to advance the kingdom of God together. And, like, if you feel like your relationships are drifting apart, find a common mission. Don't just look at each other and, and think you're going to be okay. Man, sometimes we just need to get side by side and find that through adversity we find true community. As we take on a problem, as we go forward in step together, we find unity. And that happened to Amrita and I. Through our small group, through leadership, we realized, hey, I'm not looking for someone to just make me happy. And that's not what relationships are about. I'm not just looking for someone to make me happy. I'm looking for someone where I believe we can serve the kingdom of God better together than we can do apart. If you're considering to date someone, or if you're before marriage, and, and your man doesn't have a mission, if your woman doesn't have a mission to advance the kingdom of God, I, I just, I say reconsider. Seek first the kingdom of God. And just like in the, the parable of the banquet, hey, this, this, the king invites people to come to the banquet, and they're saying, no, I'm too busy. I can't go. I, got, I, I just bought some land, or I just have some oxen, or no, I just got married. I can't be part of the kingdom feast. I'm just I'm saying we're missing out when we isolate ourselves from community, from the church, from friendships. I want my marriage to be bigger than me. I don't want my marriage to be self-serving. I want my marriage to be God-serving. I don't want my relationship to be self-serving. I want my relationship to be God-serving. Amen? And so our, our marriages are, are bigger than us. And God wants us to love people. Like, yes, all right, maybe you are happy in your own relationship. You're like excluded family. You've excluded the church, or you've considered doing those things. But I, I, I want to let you know, maybe you are happy, but there's a whole world out here that isn't happy. There's a whole world that is looking for hope, looking for love, looking for life, looking for light, looking for Jesus. And for many people, the only Jesus people will ever encounter is the Jesus inside of you. Can we stop being so selfish and just focusing on our own relationships and our own happiness and consider that maybe God wants to use our relationship for more than just our happiness and to make a difference in this world and to make known the beauty of Jesus for people who are stuck in ugliness? Can we just consider that maybe the biggest relationship of all time is that we've excluded God from our relationships and we're excluding God from working in us and through us to make a difference 
this world. I mean, God wants to use you. God has a mission for you. God has a purpose for you. And so I think it's time for us not just split, but let's take ground for the kingdom of God. Let's take ground. Let's advance. Let's make known the beauty of Jesus here in Bellevue and beyond. Can I get a good amen? Come on. God wants to work through us. And when we isolate ourselves, it's really hard to love people because you got to connect. You got to be available. You got to be present. So some ideas on how we can include people in our relationships. I'm just going to put them up on the screen. This is not in any order, but I just want to challenge you. Pick one of these. Join a small group. Come on, somebody. Go on a double date. Get marriage counseling. Ask someone what your relational blind spots are. Ask in-laws how to love their child. I love being able to talk to Amrita's parents and saying, hey, how do I love this woman? <laughs> Help me. Ask your friends if you think you should stay with the person you're dating or engaged to. Whew, scary, huh? If you're scared, maybe that's a yellow flag you need to consider. Ask people to pray for specific issues in your relationship. Don't be vague. Oh, yeah, we're going through some highs and lows. No, pray for me. I just got a vasectomy. Like, let's get specific. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize if I'm taking that too far. All right. Um, ask how you can pray for your friends' relationships. Invite some single people into your life. Single people, can I get a good amen? Man. Join the dream team. Find a common mission with us. The dream team is what we call the people who volunteer. There's only one paid person at Kalos Church, and it's bigger than me. It's bigger than Amrita. We need a lot of help. If you want a mission, we got one for you. Join the dream team. Don't know how? Ask me. And uh, maybe this one. Apologize to friends you've abandoned because of your relationship. Let's take the challenge. Let's not slip. Let's take ground. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray for all of us. Dear Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to dive into your scriptures, to see that you have a great plan for our relationships. I just pray that we would be blessed, that we'd have life and life abundantly. You'd help us to invite others into our relationships, whether we're single, dating, whether we have prospective people in mind, whether we're married, whatever, Lord. We just open up our hearts and our lives to the love you've prepared for us in the context of community. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, before I, I, I transition the service and have Moses take back over, um, I realize not everybody here is Christian or following God. Now, I want to let you know God, God loves you. He created this community, a church community, out of love for you and so that you would know love and that we could advance his, his, his better way, his kingdom, his lifestyle in Surrendering my life to Jesus is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Just saying, Lord, take my life. I'm, I'm sick of leading myself. I'm sick of just doing whatever is right in my own eyes. I want to follow your way. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free of guilt and shame and addictions. I, I want hope back in my life, Lord. And if, if that's you in this place, you just you need a, to renew or start a relationship with God. You need to be set free from your past. I would love to pray for you. So when we close our eyes and bow our heads, if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, would you pray for me? I want a new beginning. I, I want to have a relationship with God. 
I want to be forgiven and set free. On the count of three, lift up your hand boldly so I can see. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. One, two, three. Would you lift up your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Amen. You can put your hands down. And let's pray this prayer together. It's going to be on the screen. And let's say these words all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for life transformation?